0: We've just been singing, haven't we? Our God is a lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power, is that right? And he's fighting our battles. Anybody in a battle? I'm so glad he is. Anybody in a battle? Yeah, I am so glad that he's fighting our battles. And you know why we're in a battle? has already said, <clears throat> we're touching something in this place that is touching Burton-on-Trent, that is affecting this nation and the nations. And I love being a part of what God's doing. I love being a part of you guys. I love being a part of what he's doing in this nation and in this place. But with it comes suffering, as, as Effie said, but challenges. And I believe at the moment, right, that there is an enemy strategy that is active in this place, or against this place, should I say. I really believe there is a strategy to uh, divide and conquer, to try and divide and conquer. And when I say it's against Can or against this ministry, what am I actually saying? I'm saying it's against us. Because Can isn't a building And it isn't a physical place or anything like that. It's you guys and it's me. So when there's this enemy strategy, that's why we're in a battle. That's what's happening at the moment. So I think what I wanted to start with just to say, we need to be on our guard. Okay. And I'm saying this for us all. I'm not saying it to you. I'm, not saying I'm saying it because I love you. I'm saying it because there is a battle on. I'm saying it because the enemy thinks he can come and rip us asunder. And he cannot, right? So I'm just going to give just a whistle-stop tour of a few things that maybe we need to just focus on. Um, just to actually take account, like we, you know, to, to make sure. So gossip. That's a good one, okay? So we don't fall foul of gossip we don't gossip and we don't listen to gossip what is gossip oh wrong one there you go that's the before i start gossip right basically to say gossip i would say to you right would the person or the persons or the leadership that you're talking about would they approve of what you're saying that's a good question to ask yourself when you're speaking if this person was here with me while I'm saying this, would they actually approve of what I'm saying? Yeah? But people will say, well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it because they said it. I'm, I'm only saying, you know, well, don't. Don't. Right? Don't just say. Don't only say because it's not helpful. You saw the next one. Judging. Right. Judging. Now, we know in the garden there's the tree of knowledge, isn't there? And there's a tree of life, okay? We know we've partaken of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because that was sin. And so, within ourselves, within the soul of ourselves, within us, we think we have the right to judge. Now, we, we know we haven't, but actually that bit of us thinks we have. We think we're right and you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. And we can't help it. There is that in every one of us because of the sin, because we've partaken. So just flag it to yourself because the tree of life, which is the Holy Spirit within you, will result in honoring and respecting other people. It will result in you serving leadership. It will not result in you judging them and sitting back and, and, and judging. Next one. Why are we gathering, right? I don't mean here. I mean in, in when we meet up with people. Absolutely great, fantastic to meet up with people. That's right. But when we're gathering, question, are we gathering with engaged people or disengaged people? Are we affirming each other and leadership or are we affirming our own opinions with like-minded people? I'll lighten up in a minute, I promise. Contrary vision, okay? Contrary vision. But you'd say, well, we all should be allowed to have our own visions. Yes, we are. We're all individuals, and God speaks to us. And God puts things on uh, my heart that he hasn't put on Irene's heart, that he hasn't put on Effie's heart. We're all individual. But if, for example, I wanted to, I thought, God had said to me, you need to start and set up a mums and toddlers group. Okay, thankfully he hasn't, <laughs> right? Okay, but I come along and I and I say to the leadership, I really want, I think I should be running with mums and toddlers from this place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they think about it and pray about it, and they actually say, "No, I don't think so. That's not in line with our vision for what we have, uh, think this building or you know our time, our resources. It's not in line. What do I do with that?" Because there's a potential for offence, isn't there? There's a potential for offence. Offense. There's a potential for me to be shut down. There's a potential for me, huh, but what is this, that doesn't mean to say that what I've heard from God is not right. I can go and set up my mums and toddlers somewhere else. I can still do that with the blessing of the house, but what happens here, what happens in Cannes, what happens where we're touching things of heavenly things, Where we're, what's happening here your vision what you are doing has to come in line with okay hope that makes sense Um, so there's a potential for offense what do we do with offense Matthew 18 we know it lays out in there about how you deal with disagreements with other people where you go on your own etc etc you know the you know the format so do we do that do we apply that to ourselves do we take ourselves in hand? Or just we just grumble and moan and, yeah, winch to other people? But do we have a bit of a grumble and a moan about it? And we go back to the judging thing, don't we? And it all comes in and it's whole horrid and everything. Now, all that can lead to division, right? So I'm, I'm flagging it all with you and myself just to say we need to be on our guard. Because I really do believe. There, the, at the moment, there is this energy strategy around us, and if we look around, this is our support group. This is who we 're needing. E- we need each other, and so we should be guarding ourselves and we should be guarding other people because what happens is if you don't guard yourself about all these things, there's a disconnection happens, a potential of leaving, whereas really God wants you to grow and mature by going through these situations rightly. So, there you go. Done on that bit. On to the next. Oh, there you go. You've got a bit more. God, our hearts and minds. That's God's challenge to us all. Now, a lot of us, or some of us, I'm sure, many years ago, read that book. Does anybody remember Marismos from Randy Shankle? I hadn't seen it for ages and ages, but this these thoughts that I've just been talking about were in my head. And I picked up this book again and I looked at it and I thought, okay, this is, this is, this is where we're at. Pardon? Yeah, Dave can model my the book. There it is. So. <laughs> so yeah, that's the book. So I picked it up and I started to read it. And the bit that I'd underlined from last time and, that, and it struck out to me again, one of the first things that you read in there, it says you can be born again. You can be spirit-filled. You can speak in tongues and still spend 90% of your life in the soulish realm. And I'd underlined that last time. And when I got to it again, I thought, oh, I wonder how I'm doing. Am I still in the 90s? Am I crept into the 80s? Am I in the 70s? I don't know. But it was a challenge again to me. And it talks in this book, there's masses you could have preach upon preach upon preach from this book. But the, the, the essence is it deals with your body, soul, and spirit. And we're all comfortable with our body, aren't we? Because here it is. We've got it. We can see it. We know what the body part is. Okay. We're comfortable with our spirit because we know that's the bit that when we become a Christian and we say yes to Jesus, that comes alive. Right. Right. And then we've got our soul. And it's a bit of a grey area. We know it's mind, will and emotions. But we have to see that the soul and the spirit, there's a, there could be a little bit of an overlap. Because we're born in the world. And without even trying, we pick up the world's values and the world's standards as we go along and they're not god's standards and they're not the best for us and when we're born again if when we get born again and we accept jesus sometimes quite often our soul and that part of us is still in charge and so we become a house divided so there's a conflict the battle's on and who's going to win Who's going to win? So I want to talk to you about your soul and your spirit. And it's about all those things also that I've um, been talking about. So in Hebrews 4, we read, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes of him, to whom we must give an account. Yes. Now, when we were, when we became a Christian, all this learnt behaviour and the way that we had been functioning, quite, you know, what we'd taken on in the world, and the way that we thought, and the way that we acted, and the way that we considered things, all that learned behavior and our character traits come along with us into the church. And that's a very interesting situation, isn't it? They all come along with us and we have to rub up along each other, against each other, and that's fine. So really, then God says, my word, once you start getting into the word of God, I want to start and make that separation between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and thoughts and intents of your heart. I want to make it so that this my Holy Spirit that has just been birthed in you and your spirit man is stronger than your soul, than the things that you have been leaning on, the way that you have been working. So soul and spirit. <coughs> now the scary thing about this is I always think, is they sort of operate the same. And what I mean by that is, okay, you can get you can see somebody on a stage that is uh, not a Christian, has probably never heard of the Holy Spirit, is not speaking out of anything, but they've really got a charismatic personality. You've seen these motivational speakers, haven't you, that can really, really, you know, and you know encourage you to part with your money and uh, uh, uh end up you, you end up buying a timeshare that you didn't even know you wanted you know and you can leave that place and they're really motivational and and it's out of themselves it's out of their what you say the soul but it's out of their natural gifting right now they would be dynamite wouldn't they They're a lot more charismatic you know than th- than some if if they would give their life to god they would be dynamite. They would be a massive preacher. You know, it's a redemption because you can see that in them. You just think, oh, they're full of themselves. They are. But what could God do with that? But what I'm saying is the soul speaks, uh, uh, and and it's actually, yeah. but So the, the challenge is there. We have to decide that we must be spirit-led, right? Uh, in John, it says... Um, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, and that is it, basically. So yes, you might be able to encourage people. Yes, you might be able to do those things. So we have to let God, by his word, highlight got that, Yeah, highlight things in our life, one thing at a time, and let him deal with them. We must be spirit-ruled. Our soul must be in submission to our spirit. Now, joints and marrow. Marrow is, ex- it is a jelly-like substance within our bones. Yeah? So do we know what the marrow does? What's its purpose? What's its job? Yeah? Nourishes your bones. That's right. Yeah, the blood. The first job is to reproduce your blood. Right? It reproduces your blood which is the very life of us, the marrow. okay. It carries nutrients, like Jean said. It, it, it brings health and nutrients to the bones, which are the structure of your body. So it's got the life and it's got the structure of your body. Now the interesting thing here is, if a joint, that's you or I, but if a joint becomes disconnected or dislocated, or wrongly aligned, what happens is the marrow cannot flow properly, and if it's left like that, the marrow will dry up, right so <laughs> yeah. so so yeah, when it's disccloed no, the marrow it will it will eventually dry up, hmm? and that part will die. And there will be there will be no it will it will not be n- n- uh, um receive its nutrients it will not receive its strength it will your blood will not be renewed and that is the very structure of our body so in the body of Christ, how important is it to be united to be rightly aligned to be in right relationships that's what that means with each other to be walking. Not agreeing with everything, everybody, because we're all different, but to walk rightly with a submitted heart. It's a question of life or death, because if that marrow cannot flow and dries up, it's death. We must not give the enemy an opportunity to divide. Thoughts and intents. Anybody, rec- anybody can associate with that, I can. The intents of our heart... Maybe in line with the word of God, but what we do is opposite because our soulish thoughts are stronger at that point. That is a daily battle, isn't it? That is a daily battle when you get up and you have your quiet time and you think, oh, even if you manage to have your quiet time, but you do. You know, but you think, I'm, I'm, these are my intentions for the day. And then you get to the end of the day and you might end up confessing a few things because you haven't done that or whatever. But That's it. So the question is, it's this soul and spirit again. It's which voice do we listen to first? In fact, which voice do we listen to last? (laughs) Because that's the one probably that matters. You see, God wants to unravel us. He wants to unravel this overlap, this gray area between soul and spirit. He wants to straighten us out, if you like, and he wants to give us clear lines of communication with him we have been born again in the spirit we are priests right we have we have a connection with him we have a godly authority effie was talking about the flesh and what that means and some of it is not all bad is it it's good but is it what you're saying god which voice do we listen to do we always put our actions and our reactions before God first, before, you know, before the Holy Spirit? It's that process of switching our brain on to listen to him. It's that process. We teach it in the prophetic, don't we? And we get you to do it when we're asking for a prophetic word. That's how you should be. That's how I should be every day. I'm telling myself that. So anyway, i get off that quickly. Right. So, but the good thing is, in Philippians, he says, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it. It's not on your shoulders. We have to be willing. God will perform it. Not us. The thing is, if we don't allow him and we stay out of alignment, that actually means then we're in rebellion. And it's what the Bible calls being double-minded. The conflict here to me and the personal challenge to me was about unbelief. Because we're all pressing, aren't we, for what we want. I want to see the signs, the wonders, the miracles. I want to see the outworking of. I know all that God's promised us in this place. Of all the prophetic words that we've had, I want to see them. God can't do that if there's unbelief. We see that in Jesus it, when he was here, you know, anyway. Um, there's it, it unbelief. Unbelief has its origins in our soulish area. It can't be in our spirit Because our spirit is born of faith. Our spirit is faith. So it has to be in our soulish areas. So we have to allow the spirit to become more and our soul, us, our character, our mind, will and emotions to be less. Now we're not going to be mindless zombies. We're going to be alive to what God is doing in our life. And he will redeem, and just like that motivational speaker, he will redeem all of our character traits. And, and, and use them for him. And that's it. Now, the, I don't know if you know, but God knew all of this before Randy Shankle, right? He knew all of this before Randy Shankle wrote his book, Burismos. And I'm glad. If I was a Jewish person right now, right, I would be counting the Omar okay, so what's an omar an omar is a measure of grain, a sheaf or a bundle, a tenth of an ephah. that's cleared that up then hasn't it not really it it's it an omar is it's a measurement it's a quantity it's a it, it, it's with a last pass- uh, the last touch point we' talked about passover and the Egyptians. Uh, When the Israelites came out of Egypt and they went into the desert, into the wilderness, the Lord provided manna for them to eat. And each day they were allowed, uh, they were instructed or commanded to go and collect an omar of manna. That was their allowance, that was their provision. And each day they would count for themselves an omar per person for their tents and then double for the Sabbath. And that was it. And that's what that was. Okay, what have we got on the next one? And then when they arrived at Mount Sinai and the law was given, we see the Lord saying, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths, or seven weeks, shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So that was a commandment, and this is a little if you can see that, yes, you can good. so what that meant was at the time of Passover, they would sacrifice um the lamb, and then the barley harvest was the barley was the first of the uh crops that would ripen, so they would go out into the fields and they would collect an omar or this measurement this sheaf, of barley and they would wave it before the Lord and that would be their first fruit offering so they would wave the barley before the Lord and then this the commandment that we've just read they would then begin to count and they would begin to count the Omar and it's counting the days if you like it's counting the days one by one for the first week for the second week, for the third week, all the way through to seven weeks. And then the day after that, they would have their Feast of Weeks and they would offer the bread, and, and, and which is Shavuot, and they would offer that, can you see, because the barley and then the, the wheat ripens as it goes along. So they start off with the first thing to ripen and they end up at the end of harvest and they offer that. So that's what they're told to do. So according to Jewish understanding, the counting of the Omer, refers to the 49 days from the second day of the Passover festival and recounts the journey of the Israelites from Egypt through the desert wastes to the revelation of God at Mount Sinai when the commandments of God were set forth from heaven. God made a covenant with his people Israel and he married his bride. He made a covenant with them because... um, they received the law, didn't they, at Mount Sinai? Just like us, um, the Israelites had been in Egypt, just like we've been in the world. And they'd been there for hundreds of years, not just tens of years. So they'd been become contaminated, really, by that Egyptian influence. They'd taken on the standards and the values in Egypt that were not God's standards and values, even to the point of idolatry. And we read what what happened in the wilderness to them. So God had brought them out of Egypt now into the wilderness, and now God had to get Egypt out of them. And that's the same Because of their situation, whilst they'd been living, because each generation, as we've heard at Passover, had been born into that situation. And because of their situation and their circumstances, they had the mentality of slaves rather than sons. And their journey through the wilderness was a journey to reverse that because they were to be sons and not slaves. God never intended them to be or or us to be his slaves and his minions. He intended us to be sons and heirs. And so that was what it was all about. This time in the wilderness was a journey to understand again who they were. And we have the same journey to take once we give our lives to God. When we're saved and our spirit is born again, we need to get the world out of us and that's what God wants to do and that's what this journey is talking about that's what all those points at the start were about let him begin to start that journey we're sons, we're not slaves now, if I was Jewish and I'm counting the Omar what they tend to do, which is a bit of information they focus, this is how they do it so each day, they will count the Omar. And I'll tell you what that means in a minute. But each day, they focus on a characteristic of God. And there are the characteristics. And each characteristic is um, associated one with one of the, um, sorry, I just felt it wrong, um, one of the patriarchs. Okay? So, um, so what they do is, and how they do it is like this. They'll go, week one, we're focusing on loving kindness. Um, On day one, it's loving kindness. So then on day two, it'll be strength and power in loving kindness. Day three will be harmony and peace in loving kindness, and so on and so on. When it gets to um, the second week, their focus is then on strength and power. So they'll start and they'll go, okay, so we're going to do harmony and peace in strength and power. We're going to do victory and triumph in strength and power. We're going to look the next day, glory and majesty in strength and power. And they work through like that all the way to the end of the 49 days. Now, a Messianic Jew would quite probably put alongside that the gifts of the Spirit because he knows Jesus. And he would probably look at the gifts of the Spirit alongside that and use that as a meditation to work through. So the purpose of it, it's a time of reflection and of preparation so counting the Omer to the Jewish people and to us can be a time of preparation. It is a reflection. They say to hold a mirror up. They say to look at your own heart, to see where those things, where you are allowing yourself to be more maybe important than God or the Spirit. It is a daily process to allow God to develop their spiritual character. So we all need that. It's symbolic of their journey in the wilderness from bondage to freedom. We all need that too. And it's deliverance. It's from being ruled by the Egyptians to receiving the law, the Torah, and being ruled by God. Because they came out as slaves, right, And they weren't going to be slaves ruled by God. They were going to be sons. He gave them. So he gave them his law. There you go. Now, they have loads of calendars. This is a Counting the Omar calendar. Okay, and they have loads. They have online stuff and and things like that. So you see at the bottom there, it's a time for preparation for the gift at the end of the 50 days. So there is an element of... of preparing your heart because God is going to bestow something upon you and give you something because that's what it was. So it was when they left, e- when they left Egypt, there was 50 days through to arriving at Mount Sinai. Now at the bottom here, and this is what they remember, you see two little bits of manna. So they started counting the omar and they go all the way up, all the way up to the top. And at the top, we've got... Um, the Torah, which is the Ten Commandments. Now, the prayer, the, the blessing that they say every day, and this, this is what they do, there's an online app, you can go and you get the blessing, you get the something to read, and it's it's all very technical, and they, they, they do, it's a big thing. They say, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with your commandments and commanded us about the counting of the Omar. <coughs> And today, I think, uh, yes, today, today's date, we're on the 12th 12, 12 of counting of the Omar. And tonight, this evening, we will go into the 13th. Now, they're very serious about it, so much so that if you don't, so they'd say that blessing and then they'd say another prayer saying this is the counting of the Omar and da, 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 and, and, what, and whatever they've decided to do on that day. But they mark it and they mark a time and they mark a time to say, okay, God, examine my heart, to prepare my heart, reflect on that. And if they miss a day, you have to then repent of that and you start again, not right from the end, but from there, you know. But it, it's, it's, it's important to them. oh yeah, that's right, it is important to them, it's a preparation for God to give them something wonderful, so I just want to flick through, right, so let's whiz forward in time a bit from there to the time of Jesus, so we all know Jesus died at at Passover, yeah, he did, so he actually died, Jesus died on the cross, at exactly the same time as the Passover lamb would have been slaughtered in the temple and offered as sacrifice. All right, so that's amazing. So you're thinking of this Passover thing. You're thinking of my, of my graph of where things happened. So Passover lamb was, was um, sacrificed and Jesus died at exactly the same time. He rose at first fruits. So he rose when the barley... The, the Omar, the sheath of barley, was being waved in the temple before the Lord. Okay? Now, what would the disciples have been doing at that point? What would the disciples have been doing at that stage when the women went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away And they saw that he was risen and they went running to the disciples. They'd be counting the Omar. They would be counting the Omar. Jesus would have counted the Omar. He'd have been doing that. It was part of their tradition. It was part of their life. He would have been going through this process all his life of this preparation, this 50 days of preparation for his life. They would have been counting um, the Omar too and preparing their hearts. So, and all the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to them, where he appeared on the road to Emmaus and all those things, they all happened over this period of counting the Omar. They all happened when, the, when his disciples and the whole of the Jewish nation was examining their heart and preparing and saying, make me ready for what you're going to do. Make me ready in preparation for what you're going to bring to us. And for them, it was the Torah. So the disciples have been counting the Omer and preparing their heart. Day forty of the Omer count, Jesus ascended into heaven. But he and before he went, he said to the disciples, "Don't go anywhere, didn't he? Don't go out. Don't leave Jerusalem until you have the promise of the Father." Right? And it's in line with this counting of the Omer. It's the waiting and the expectation the, of what is coming. Don't go anywhere. So there they were in the upper room 10 days later. What happened? What happened? God poured out his Holy Spirit on all mankind. So do you see that on that day when the Jewish nation had come to honor the law and to rejoice in the law, God replaced the law with the Spirit. Right? He replaced the law, and because that's the irony of it, they would have been all in the temple honoring the law of Moses. Not a wrong thing to do. Not a wrong thing to do. Like Effie said, burying your father. Not a wrong thing to do. They would have been there doing that. But the life was in an upper room where God poured out his Holy Spirit. And he replaced, or should I say fulfilled, the law with the Spirit. Okay? Now we've got a new covenant. The law has changed from something outside of us that we have to do and conform to, to something inside of us. And the new covenant makes the Torah, the law, now a matter of of the heart and we're back to our heart and our mind and our will and emotions it's everything within us it's a matter of the heart jesus fulfilled the law in his death and his resurrection we need the holy spirit now to be able to live and to fulfill the law like that now we've got a new calendar look i I found one with a little heart on the top so i thought that was good (laughs) So it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of, of spirit rather than law. In Galatians, we say, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self control. Against such, there is no law, there is no Torah can you see that the Spirit comes to fulfill the law? The Spirit comes to live by the person of the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Spirit comes so that it can search you, it can get all of the world out of you, it can can bring you into a place where you hear his voice first, where you hear his voice last, and you bring all of your soulish realm and we move from the 90% hopefully right down to the 10s and 20s and you know that, that is, that's the point, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit walk with us so I'd like us to invite us now we've got communion and I thought that would be an excellent time to just say Lord by your Holy Spirit I'll leave those things up there by your Holy Spirit Lord search me And know me. And just see that I want to be, I want my life to exemplify that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness and self-control. I want to be a person, a woman, a man of faith and not of unbelief. Deal with those areas in me that inhibit me walking in your ways and in your spirit life because there's power in the blood there's power in the name of Jesus we've been singing that we've been praying that he can do it in us so I'd just like to invite us all as we come just spend a minute asking the Lord what it he- is he wants to deal with today in you probably something already there that you know about in our hearts in our minds in our thoughts in our words that we say Anything needs to be repented of. Anything needs to be forgiven. Anything, even an offense from someone else, needs to just be laid down and then come and take the communion and say, Lord, I commit again, just like they would with the counting of the Omar, if you like. Use this as a another daily, a commitment to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord in my life. I want you your Holy Spirit to rule and reign over me.